tonight. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 if I could sing anywhere near that good, I'd be in business. Uh, uh, no, I wouldn't, because all I'd do is walk around and sing. If I, I've always said if I could sing or play a piano, that's all I would ever get done, and so it's good I can't do that. John chapter 19. Some of you say I wish you wouldn't preach either, but anyway, you're stuck with that. John chapter 19. We're going to begin, uh, we're going to look in verse 23 uh, and 24 this morning, and we're going to look at a text that uh, is uh, a text that generally uh, we kind of, we know about, uh, but typically we, uh, we bypass uh, as just one of the, uh, the details of the crucifixion. Uh, and, and that is the gambling, uh, the division of the clothes uh, that Jesus uh, possessed, his possessions. We generally, uh, we know about that, and again, we, but we don't really, uh, I've never really thought about the, uh, the implications uh, of, um, of these two small verses. And uh, there's actually, I, I think, a really uh, important lesson for us uh, to be learned from what takes place. It was tradition, uh, and I know you've all uh, seen the paintings uh, of the crucifixion, and Jesus uh, would always, and uh, if it was a painting that had all three uh, crosses, the artist always uh, would uh, have a, a loincloth on, uh, on Christ and, and the thieves, but uh, it was practice uh, that they, that was part of the uh, humiliation, part of the uh, torture, I guess, of of the uh, of crucifixion uh, was that they would be stripped of all uh, of their clothes, and it was uh, again traditional uh, that the guards themselves, um, almost as a form of payment for their labor in carrying out the crucifixion, uh, would divide uh, the clothes, and so we see that happening here. Uh, in the story uh, of Christ as they began uh, to cast lots or uh, simply put to roll dice is the easiest way to put it uh, for the clothes of Jesus. And there's four things uh, that we see in that, uh, in that story that uh, I think are important, uh, again, in the division uh, of these clothes. Beginning in verse uh, 23, the Bible tells us there uh, that uh, as they crucified Jesus, they, uh, they take his garments and they divide them uh, into four parts. Now, some uh, have taken that statement and reasoned that, well, there must have been four guards involved uh, in the crucifixion. Well, I think that's a, a reasonable deduction. We don't know that, but uh, it's kind of like uh, people assume there were three wise men because there were three gifts. We don't necessarily know that, but uh, it, it is a uh, reasonable, I guess, uh, assumption. And so the first thing uh, that I, I notice in this um, is as, as I look at these soldiers and I look um, at how they are responding to Jesus, how they are relating to Jesus uh, as they divide his clothes. The first thing uh, that I think about in this story uh, is that the insensitivity uh, that is described here, the insensitivity uh, that is demonstrated, that uh, these men at the feet uh, of Jesus Christ in the presence of his mother uh, would gamble uh, over, the, uh, over the victim's clothes right there. Uh, in, uh, in, in his presence, in the presence uh, of uh, his mother, uh, any family that might be uh, left, any, uh, anybody that would still claim him as uh, a friend, they're all there. Uh, and right there uh, on the scene, they began uh, to, to imagine that, if you can. I, uh, I heard a comedian one time uh, talking about New York City. 
And uh, he said, you know, in New York City, things are so bad if you get hit by a car, uh, you're laying there in the street, somebody will come out and take your tennis shoes, say you won't be needing these anymore, and go on. Uh, you know, and and uh, we, we, if we saw something, you know, that's kind of supposed to be uh, a joke. If we saw something like that, though, we'd think, wow, that's... That's cruel. That's kind of bottom of the barrel. Take a, uh, you know, a man just got run over by a car. Take his shoes off his feet. But here we have a man hanging on a cross uh, for crimes he didn't commit, by the way. Uh, hanging on a cross, and and we have soldiers uh, who are so insensitive uh, to Christ uh, that they are dividing up his clothes while he hangs there. Uh, dividing up his clothes. Uh, you know, his mother's at the foot of the cross. You know, let's, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of typical in our society at, uh, at a funeral. Uh, I don't want to be too gloomy this morning, but you know, the funeral director will uh, generally ask, do, uh, you know, the jewelry, the glasses, whatever on, uh, on, on your relative, do you want, you know, they, they didn't walk over and say, ma'am, would you like your son's uh, shoes? Would you, like, would you like his clothes? Actually, they stand there in her presence uh, and, and divide up uh, the dying man's clothes. And, and, and I think about, again, how just uh, cruel, how uh, just insensitive uh, an act that is. And then uh, as I thought about that, uh, I come forward and I think, you know, most of us probably, we, have, we, we probably wouldn't pull something like that. We probably have, you know, even somebody we didn't like, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't gamble over their clothes while they hung dying. We probably uh, have a little bit more sense than that, uh, a little bit more compassion, even on, uh, you know, even if the man was guilty, I, I would have, I I would have kind of felt bad doing that to one of the criminals, let alone uh, Jesus, to be dividing his clothes right there in front of his mother while he hung on the cross. And then I thought about that, and I said, but you know, uh, as I look at where we are uh, in our culture, and, uh, and, and you know, Cindy kind of mentioned some of that while I go about our culture and standing up for Jesus, you know, we have really, uh, we are as insensitive to the plight we are insens- as insensitive uh, to the message, to the course uh, of Jesus Christ as these four soldiers were. Uh, and I'm talking about the church. Listen, I'm not, ta- listen, I'm not talking about the world. I don't expect anything out of them. You know what I expect out of sinners? Sin. That's what they do. That, that's, their, that's their expertise. That's what they are good at. Uh, but in, in many ways, the church in, in 2021 has become grossly insensitive uh, to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit, to the leadership uh, of God. We are far more concerned uh, about our own priorities. We are far more uh, concerned about our own desires, our own uh, prosperity, our own um, everything. We are, simply put one word, we are selfish. We, we are egotistical. We are, we are all in it for ourselves. And in the meantime, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ has been put uh, on a back burner Many times, even in the church of Jesus Christ, we're more concerned uh, about programs. We're more concerned about the budget. We're more concerned about whether or not we're following bylaws. We're more concerned uh, about whether uh, this committee met when it was supposed to, and does this committee have the right chairman? Does it have enough people on it? Do they follow all the policies and procedures? We are more concerned in the church of Jesus Christ today with all of the junk, I don't know what you'd call it, 
then we are finding and doing the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We are as insensitive in many cases uh, as, uh, as these guards were standing at the feet of Jesus Christ. They, they had no concern whatsoever for what Jesus would think, what, what, how that in, affected him, how, what, how, his, how uh, his followers, that they had no thought whatsoever for what, was, what, what Jesus uh, and how, how this would affect him. And, and listen, I, I've been around uh, the Baptist church my whole life. I tell people, I've been Baptist longer than I've been Christian. Um, and, you know, and, and I don't know if you know the difference, but you can be Baptist and not be Christian. Oh, I'm going to throw you one for free. And guess what? You can't be Christian and not be Baptist. I know it's hard, but you can be. But listen, we are, as, and I'm going I'm to talk to my own, as Baptists, we're often way more concerned about being Baptist than we are being followers of Jesus Christ. We're way more concerned about what would the Baptist do? What does the Baptist say? What is the Baptist uh, doctrine? And we are what the Word of God says. And I will say this. Generally speaking, Baptist doctrine and theology lines up pretty well with the Word of God. If it, was, if it did, not be something besides the Baptist. But I'm telling you, it's not about how good a Baptist... I know some really good Baptists that don't know beans about following Jesus Christ. Now, they can tell you every every dot, comma, period in the bylaws and the Baptist faith and message. They know the home address of the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. They know his phone number. They got it programmed. They know all that stuff. But largely insensitive to the will and the leadership of God in our life. Larry mentioned a moment ago about Praying and saying, God, what, what do you want from me? What, what, what would you want me to do? Most of us, our prayer life doesn't sound anything like that. Most of our prayer life sounds much more like this. God, this is what I want you to do. God, this is how I want you to act. God, this is how I want you to respond. Instead of, God, what would you change in me? I was thinking when Larry said that a while ago about praying, Lord, what, what would you change in my life? The first thought run through my mind was be careful because he's liable to tell you. He's liable to lay it on you. This is what I want changed. But by and large, we, listen, let's just, be, let's just be brutally honest. We are more sensitive in, in most cases to the whims of the culture than we are to the Word of Christ. We're more sensitive to the whims of culture than the words of Christ. What's popular? What's going on? What's everybody else? How many of y'all got in trouble as a kid for saying everybody else is doing it? And as a kid, you couldn't understand why that wasn't a good answer. But as a parent, how many of you have learned that answer stinks? Now, I've told you what, there's two things about being a parent I've learned. I, because I told you so is a perfectly good answer. 
I thought it was horrible when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I don't remember specifically, but I will guarantee you at some point, I got in trouble for when I was told because I told you so, that I responded by, well, why did you tell me so? I don't know that, but I just know me. And then everybody else is doing it. I've learned that because I said so is a good answer, and everybody else is doing it is not. I hadn't learned much as an adult, but I've learned those two things. Everybody else is doing it is lousy motivation for a believer. It's lousy direction for a child of God. These men were insensitive to, to the presence of God. In their very presence, they are gambling for the clothes in the very presence of the Messiah, the Son of God. And they don't even realize it. Folks, a lot of church people, we go through our week, and the only presence of God we are aware of, the only presence of God that we associate with, think about, is in the brief moments we spend at church on Sunday, if we do that. We need to learn to be sensitive to the Word of God. I love, y'all know this, I've told you before, I love the 21st chapter of Genesis. When God says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham responds, here am I. Here am I. He recognized his father's voice, and he responded. And then that story goes on. If you remember, I, I've talked about You know this is one of my favorites. He told him, you get up and you go to the place I told you to. And the next thing we read is in that passage. It says, and he rose up early and went to the place where God told him. Contrast that with a man by the name of Jonah, who when God told him where to go, he heard, but he went the opposite direction. We must be sensitive to the leadership, to the Word of God. And you know what? It's harder and harder to hear in this world. I thank you, Larry, for your word this morning. Talking about getting alone, getting in a place with God. If you're trying to hear God at work, how many of you, when you're trying, if somebody's in the car with you and you want to hear, somebody's talking to you, and you really want to hear what they say, what do you do? Turn the radio down, don't you? Turn down that, turn down that background noise. Listen, if we're gonna, you know, if you're sitting in a football stadium, somebody, you're not gonna sit in a football stadium and negotiate a really important deal because you might miss something. You want to get alone in a room with a person so you can hear and know what you're negotiating. Listen, it's not easy to be sensitive to the Word of God. Not in this world because there's way too much background noise. There's way too many things distracting you. You know, we, Caleb's sitting back there. He knows that I'm not saying anything he doesn't know and we hadn't talked about. Caleb, when he was in school, we had to put him up at the front of the class because Caleb 
they had all kinds of fancy words for it, but the fact of the matter is, the word is nosy. And if there was anything going on between his chair and the teacher's chair, Caleb was way more interested in that than what the teacher said. Yeah. Larry, don't encourage him. If a bird flew by the window, Caleb was way more interested in what kind of bird that was flowed by the window. And, and I don't want to say where he got that from, but let's say he got it honest. And his daddy didn't care too much for what them teachers were saying either. There's all kinds of things that draw our attention, draw it away, and lead us. And listen, some of them are good things. We need as followers of Jesus Christ to determine between the good and the urgent. The good, the important, and the urgent. It's urgent that we hear from God. It's urgent that we're sensitive to the leadership of God. They were insensitive. We see it demonstrated. Only was their insensitivity demonstrated. But look at this. It goes on and says, And they divided his clothes, one for each one. But his, his tunic, his coat, oh, it was seamless. It was woven from the top to the bottom. It was, it was rare. It was one solid piece of cloth, and I want that coat. We're not going to cut that coat apart. We're not going to cut it up into four pieces. That coat, that coat is nice. I want that coat. Let's, not, let's divide, let's gamble, let's cast lots for the coat. Let's, let, let's get what we want is what these soldiers say. Do I, do I even need to preach on that topic? Let's get what I want. You know, we, let, let, let's, let, this is really nice. We're not, we, we want to get a hold uh, of this. Again, it, it was, uh, again, this jacket was made of one piece. It wasn't necessarily um, all that day, but I've got to think this. And... I, I'm going to speculate right here. Ride with me for a moment, okay? I can't prove this. I'm telling you this up front. I can't show you this anywhere in Scripture. But I've got to think that a little bit of what was going on in those soldiers' minds is over the last three years, they've heard some of these stories about Jesus. He walks on water. He gave blind back their sight. He gave deaf back their hearing. He gave the mute back their speech. He raised up the crippled man. He raised up the dead man. I bet we can sell this jacket for a little bit. Bible doesn't say that, but I know people, and you know people. I don't know what they had back then, but I'm pretty sure them four soldiers, as they looked at that jacket, they were thinking, eBay. Yeah, I don't know how they did You know, Stone Bay, however they did it back then, I don't know. But they were thinking, we'll tell people, y'all heard about that, that, that Jew that did all those miracles and things? This was his coat. And you know, 
we know that those were a superstitious people in that time. You know, they, they've heard the story about people who touched the hem of his garment and were healed. So maybe, just maybe, this tunic here got a little power in it. And they didn't believe it was him. So maybe it's something in this piece of cloth. We're going to take this cloth and see what we can do for it, what we can do with it, how it can benefit us. Folks, again, I don't even know if I need to preach on this on that point. Is that not where we are in 2021, in and out of the church? What's in it for me? What, how, how does it benefit me? What can I get from it? Listen, we, 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 we've put ourselves ahead of everything else. We've put ourselves, our own wants, our own desires, ahead of anything and anybody. We, we have a desire, just like these men. These men, they didn't care one iota about the man on the cross. They didn't care one iota about his family. They didn't care one iota about the fact that this man had been unjustfully uh, convicted, illegally tried. They didn't care. It didn't matter. They saw profit. Can I ask you a question? Why are you following Jesus? Or why do you say you're following Jesus? If God stopped today giving you earthly blessings, would you keep following? If He stopped today doing all those things we have become accustomed to. I wonder how many of us would be faithful church members in some of these countries around the world where they're meeting under a shade tree under the threat of death. I wonder how many of us would go home and tell our family, I'm a Christian now. I've accepted Christ knowing that when we did, our family was going to kick us out of the family. And in many cases, in some of these Muslim countries, daddies are cutting the heads off of their children and putting them on a stake outside the house for that very profession. Why are we following Jesus? Why? What if we woke up tomorrow and the roles were reversed and all of a sudden some country overseas somewhere had all the liberty and all the freedom that we've enjoyed for years and we had to live under their conditions? I wonder how many of us would still be singing Stand Up for Jesus. See, they were in it for let's see what we can get out of it. You see the indulgence. You see the insensitivity. Third thing in the next verse, and I've got to move quickly here. Verse 24, you see the ignorance displayed. And I debated using that word. I know that maybe that might be one of those words that culturally are a little bit insensitive, but I never have been real culturally smart anyway. Ignorance. Look at them. 
in verse 24 it says um, that they, again, they took that coat and they said, let's not tear it. Let's cast lots for it and see who will get it, who will win it. Again, they, the, the seamless cloth, they didn't get it. They didn't know it. And most of us probably don't. <coughs> but if you go back and you'll read and study a little bit, you'll find out in the Old Testament that the high priest wore what kind of coat? Anybody know? Come on, this is an easy question. I've been giving you the answer for the last 15 minutes. Seamless. His coat had to be the same way. If it wasn't, he was disqualified. Jesus, in wearing this coat, some have suspected all kinds of traditions of rumor that it was made by his mother, made by his sisters. Who knows? What we do know is it symbolizes, it represents the garments of the high priest. Here these men are at the foot of the cross. And this, this hit me like a ton of bricks as I thought about this. Again, y'all, I've told you this before. I, I've got a, probably too good of an imagination. Um, but I can see those men gathered at Jesus' feet, his beaten, battered, bruised, bleeding body hanging on that cross. And there at his feet, dividing up his clothes. Now, we don't see anywhere in Scripture anything that indicates to us that the clothes, the shoes that Jesus wore were tailor-made. They, they, you know, I, they, they came off the bargain racks. There was nothing special dollar-wise about these few pieces of clothes. Shoes, belt, cloak, coat, a few little pieces of clothes. Five pieces. So they took and divided four, four equally, and they had one left. So there's five little pieces of clothes that they're gambling over. Here they are. And I, I, I don't have the words to adequately paint this picture. I hope you can see it. Here are men gambling and arguing. And let's think about it. Let me back up a second. Those five pieces of clothes are dirty, torn, and bloodstained because they've come off of a beaten Savior. And they're worried about dividing up that little bit of clothes when the Savior of the world is within touching distance. They're worried about getting a wore-out pair of sandals when they could have reached up and touched the feet of the Master. They're worried about getting a little small piece of cloth when they could have cried out for salvation from the Messiah. Ignorance. Ignorance. 
folks. There are possibly some of you here this morning, some of you online, who are striving and working and laboring and worrying yourself, building up your portfolio, your retirement, your bank account. You're striving over a few pieces of cloth when just a few inches away are the feet of the Master. You're worrying yourself sick, working yourself to death, trying to gain and gather worldly possessions that one day your children and your grandchildren are going to squander. Sidney said a while ago what Dean says at funerals, the best gift you can give them, the best gift you can achieve yourself is to know Jesus Christ personally. I don't want to live under a bridge. Most of y'all know in the last few months I've really been involved of a lot with trying to help get food and some things, to, and, and I'm dumbfounded at the number of home, little homeless communities there are sprung up all over this county. Most of them you don't even see. I just found out this week I ride by one every day, and I never knew it was there. But I'd rather be homeless and know Jesus than to live in the finest house in town and be lost. Ignorance, pursuing a little trivial piece of cloth when the Savior was hanging just inches away. And then finally, notice what it says. It said all this was done to fulfill Scripture. All of it was done to fulfill Scripture. The importance discovered. We read this passage, as I said, in introduction, and we see the story of a few pieces of cloth, and we see a couple of soldiers gambling, rolling dice, and we by and large read right past it. We, for the most part, just skip right over it. It's just one of the details of the crucifixion. But here's what makes that whole story important. That it ends in verse 24 by saying this was all done to fulfill Scripture. What that is telling us today is not just um, that, uh, that it fulfills Scripture. That's great. But what it's telling us even greater than that is that Christ knew. He came and He laid down His life. It didn't take His life from Him. He gave His life for you. He laid down His life. He was a willing sacrifice for you. He, the, the importance of this, these two small verses that so often, again, we just kind of breeze by as part of the story, remind us once again that Jesus Christ was not 
taken. He was not uh, surprised. He was not shocked. He was a willing sacrifice for your sin. He shed His blood. He gave His life so that you might have life because the Bible says you are dead in your trespasses. The wages of sin is dead. But the gift of God is eternal life. Listen. What this story, these couple small verses and a little few details that quite honestly, if you, and don't do this, but if you took and put liquid paper over these two verses in the story of the crucifixion, if they weren't there, it really wouldn't change that much about our understanding and our knowledge of the crucifixion of Christ. But with those two verses, we are reminded that He gave His life willingly for you and I. I'm going to ask Sidney to come. He's going to lead us in our invitation. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just one moment. And I want to ask you to consider that question. Why are you serving? If the blessing stopped today, would you keep serving? To consider that question, Lord, what is it you want me to do for you? I've lived most of my life pursuing my dreams and my happiness. We've been taught that as Americans. We've had the beer companies for years on our television telling us to grab all the gusto. You know, quite frankly, I don't even know what gusto is. But I know what it means to serve Jesus. And I know that there's, there's no greater happiness, no greater joy. I want to challenge you where you are. You can kneel at your seat, come forward here, however you feel comfortable. If you're home, right there in your living room, driving down the road, wherever you're listening this morning. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to change? What would you have me to do differently? I don't want to be insensitive to your word anymore. I want to hear from heaven. How many of you in here believe that Jesus could come any moment? Well, I want to take whatever moment I have left and live it for Him. Lord, show me what you want, what you desire. Most importantly, you're here today. You're watching us, joining us online. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. If you don't know Jesus personally, you've never asked Him into your heart as Lord and Savior. You're just like those soldiers. You're, you're, you're this close. All you have to do is reach out. He's already died. He's already paid the price. He's already paid for your sins. All you have to do is accept the free gift of salvation. You don't know Him personally this morning. 
and you're in this room, would you come and let me show you from His Word how you can know Christ as your Savior. You're joining us online. Drop us an email, a comment, a phone call. All our contact information is there. I'd love to talk to you, wherever you are. If you're not nearby, I'll put you in contact with a good church, a good pastor who can help you. You're too close. You're too close. You're right here at the feet of Jesus. Don't leave without knowing Him personally. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for allowing us to gather. God, I thank You for Your Word to what seems like almost insignificant verses in the grand scheme of things. But God, remind us so clearly of how we can be so close, so close to the Savior, and yet so far. God, Christians who need to commit themselves and dedicate themselves to You. Someone lost doesn't know You as Savior. God, they need their heart to be touched. Draw them, convict them, that they would come this morning and ask Christ into their life. God, have your way here this morning. We'll give you the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together. Sydney, Kathy, David, appreciate y'all being here. Uh, again, uh, they have a table with CDs back there. Uh, your car, be like having a car with three wheels if you don't have one of their CDs in your car. Um, and so go by back there and uh, pick up one of their CDs. And um, I said they'll be glad to, uh, to take your money. So, uh, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Um, we had mentioned, said last week or a week or so ago, uh, that we were going to go uh, to Love Life this coming Saturday. We're going to reschedule that uh, because the van still 
does not have a catalytic converter and it sounds like a uh, farm tractor going down, down the road and so uh, we're going to put that off till we get the van fixed uh, but we will be going um, uh, in, in the near future uh, so uh, if you were planning I'm sorry uh, but um, just it's just not ready to go yet so um, still negotiating that process so um, remember that and um, again, thanks Sydney, Kathy, David, uh, for being here. Thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, let's bow. Oh, offering buckets are at. The, oh, I hate that phrase. Uh, offering buckets are at the door. Uh, I'm going to take and dump them all together, and I'm going to put the blue bucket up on. Or yeah, the blue bucket. I guess, I guess it matters. Uh, the blue bucket up on the table, so it'll be obviously. Or Lane's handling that for me. Um, we're going to put that one up there, and Sydney and I didn't even discuss uh, this uh, part of, uh, of them uh, being here today. And so as far as he knows, he's getting a baked potato. Uh, and so uh, we're going to put that bucket there if you enjoy their ministry um, and want to help them. Um, I know it's not cheap, uh, you know, making CDs, studio time, uh, traveling. You know that. We've talked about that before. Um, and so uh, if you want to contribute to their ministry, um, Sidney's retired now, and um, he support, he's having to work part-time for his son. I found that out last night. So uh, I kind of think it's funny. Sidney's having to take orders from his boy now. So that, uh, you yeah, uh, and so, uh, well, I said... Oh, okay. You got that from his daddy. Uh, you know, and so <laughs> but uh, again, the blue bucket, all the offering there will go uh, towards the Kobolds and their ministry. All right? Let's bow as we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. God, I thank you for allowing us to gather today. Uh, God, I thank you for... Uh, Sydney and Kathy and David who uh, came on such short notice and blessed us today. Uh, God, just pray that you will use their music, uh, bless them as they travel. Uh, God, use their music, uh, God, and, um, to touch people's hearts. God, take your word today uh, and uh, seal it in our hearts, God, that we would uh, commit ourselves to serving you. And we'll give you the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.